Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to another episode of Our Roots in Tea, where we explore our minds and life while we enjoy a cup of tea. We always do this exploration with all types of people offering unique life experiences. I'm happy to have had conversations with some amazing people, and this episode is no different. We have a group of talented female content creators stopping by for a chat. This group accumulated a mountain of industry experience and have produced variety of visually stunning work, ranging from film to promo shoots to fashion photography. And today, I've got three amazing women with me today. Uh, they're known as the Nightshade Collective. So, we've got Ashley and April Mendoza and Alexa Morales. Hello. Thank you Hello. very much. Thank Hi. you for having us. Yes. Yes. And r- actually tea. right off. Okay. Uh, Alexa's drinking tea, which is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have, so. I have coffee. Coffee. Okay. Coffee. I have green tea. Okay, hey. cool. April's <laughs> drinking tea too. Okay. So everyone's actually following tradition except myself. What? <laughs> yeah. I'm drinking coffee too. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. oh yay. <laughs> coffee counts. I should okay. Yeah. Coffee Bean counts. tea. yeah so um i guess to kind of start off right off the bat um why why the name nightshade what's the story behind that well we're like oh yeah nightmare before christmas have you seen that yes i have okay Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's a quick little scene where um it shows a little potion when Sally's like whipping up some things and it just says like nightshade, deadly nightshade mm-hmm. on it. So it's just like a type of like herb or like flower. And we're like, that's a cool name. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. And the more we looked into it, it's like, it's like a deadly flower essentially. And there's also different vegetables that are part of the nightshade family, but they're usually kind of like in the deadly groups. And so we love the contrast between, you know, like, things that are beautiful and things that are deadly and dark. And so it was kind of the perfect representation of who we are. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure you've probably, I mean, that wasn't the first name that came up, right? You probably went through. No. Okay. <laughs> I feel like you've done your research. Yes. Oh, you're talking about the first name that we came up with or the first name that? First name you came up with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we started out as Eclectic Minds 5, which is, uh, okay. looking back, is an interesting name. <laughs> yeah. But we started with five of us. It was us three and then two other friends. Mm-hmm. And we all had different sort of interests and, um, you know, hobbies and sort of career fields. And But we all liked working together and we all liked the creative um, arts. And so we wanted to sort of create a group where we can kind of just like, mm-hmm. you know, like, put out content and do creative stuff. And so we came up with this name Eclectic Minds 5 because we felt we were, we had eclectic interests. Yeah, so we were trying to figure out like what it is that we wanted to do. And there was just so many things. So yeah. I think it just fit perfectly. Yeah. And that was back in like 2000, was it 14? 16? 16? Oh no, I don't know actually, maybe 17. Maybe 17. Okay. Something like that. Um, and that lasted for maybe about a year and we experimented with the YouTube space Mm -hmm. and I, I don't know, I feel like maybe we realized it wasn't exactly what we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then, um, some of our friends ended up sort of going their own ways and we're still really good friends, but they sort of focused on their main careers. And so we sort of continued this as a more film and photography kind of 
path and yeah. rerouted a little bit and changed our okay. name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I read a little bit that you're all family, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm guessing, <laughs> I'm guessing yeah. Ashley and April are sisters. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Alexa is the Our cousin. cousin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's interesting. I'm I'm kind of curious, like how how's that dynamic like? Because you know, working with family members sometimes may be kind of weird, right? Right, right. And they say you shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. I think, so, right. Yeah, <laughs> they do, but I don't know. I we just have out. a great. I think so too. It just I don't know. We have like the same interests and you know love for horror and all things, mm-hmm. but I think yeah. I don't know. It's it's. It I love it. Out. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning, when we sort of would tell people that we work together and that we want to kind of create this brand and um, essentially like a company, uh, a lot of people I felt were trying to discourage it because yeah. everyone has heard that old saying like, oh, don't work with your family, you know, yeah. anyone but your family. And so um, I don't know. I, I, I think that we sort of just ignored everybody and made it work out because we yeah. do everything together. We grew up together. We like a lot of the same things, like Alexa said. and Even before, like, Eclectic Minds and Nightshade, we were already kind of doing things together just without an official title, more just, like, for, like, learning and for fun school projects when April was in college. So we're just, like, it kind of makes sense. We know how we work together, and it works. Yeah. I feel like if there were to be an issue, it's only that we literally just work all the time together. So it's trying Mm -hmm. to find, like, that time. You know, we have to make, like, little... um, I guess, dates for us to really be cousins, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, you know what I mean? But we're always just like work and we just, it just works so well. So. Yeah. And sometimes, of course, you know, we all get snappy with each other because, you know, especially my sister and I, we're, we're sisters. So like, <laughs> we're used to communicating yeah. a certain way. Yeah. <laughs> and then Alexa's just like on the sidelines laughing at us. And, but <laughs> I think even like with my sister and I, like we fight sometimes, but we get over it pretty, pretty fast. Right. So yeah, it's never anything exactly. serious. And at the end of the day, we sort of, we, we know that we, t- you know, care about each other and we want what's best for each other and yeah. for, you know, us as a whole. So um, we never take anything personally. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, you're all professionals you are there to work and, you know, get things done. Right. So that's kind yeah. of the situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and then so, I actually read I actually read about this too. I, I like it how you everyone has like a particular role because you know I know I mean April usually does a lot of the writing and directing it seems like, and then Ashley and Alexa is kind of more like the art department type of deal. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah. guess that's, that's a pretty good balance. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're my art team, and so that's like in the film space, like when we're working on shorts or our feature, our first feature. Um, you know, I was the producer on that, or you know, if I'm doing short films, I, I'll be directing those and writing those. And so the girls will come on as production designers, um, but also like we do a lot of photography and creative direction. So when it comes to that sort of um, dynamic, we all. Um, give each other ideas and we come up with a creative direction together. And then the girls like are, they specialize in like all the production design aspect of things, building the sets, you know, um, even like with props, you know, creating crowns, like a lot of DIY projects. And cause that's not really my forte, but I, you know, I love it. Uh-huh. And then, yeah. So I, I kind of take on the sort of photographer and producer role a lot and director role. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, 
so I guess I want to get into this because um, I, I do have some key topics, but I'm going to change up the order a little bit. Yeah, no I was watching the short film earlier today. It was um, Hollow Hour. The okay. One, the one that April wrote and directed and Alexa and Ashley were the art team. So take me through that process of making that short in terms of the directing and production design standpoint. Yeah, so um, Hollow Hour was our first big project together. Um, it was my first short as a director, um, like first serious project, I would say. And it was the girls' first project as production designers. So it was a big first for all of us. And I think we all just wanted to jump into this space and do something bigger than we've done before. And, you know, so it's, it was a really fun process and uh, completely self-funded. So we were constantly trying to save money and, and invest in, in the project. We shot at my house, um, my sister and I's house. And um, we went through, we were working on this for, I want to say for about a year. Like I know I was writing the film for some time and then I put it aside and I redeveloped it. You know, I tried to make it into a feature and then I, you know, took it back to a short and then uh, decided that I just wanted to start planning it. And so um, that's when I sort of brought the girls on. And I know Alexa and I worked a lot on the previous, the previous, which is um, just sort of like, Alexa, maybe you want to elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah. Ashley, help me out here if you can. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we use previs. So it's just to kind of um, mimic the, the rooms and just to kind of see like where April wants to take it. So that helped a lot. Um, we did, we wanted to do kind of like a snake tank, you know, um, for the house, like for the mm -hmm. entire field production design, like she's in the snake tank. So it was lots of, you know, um, looking for plants and mm -hmm. things like that. So, um, lots of thrifting and yeah, yeah, yeah it was fun. I, I, we loved it. We enjoyed it. And I think that's when I definitely knew. I'm like, this is what I want to, this is where I want to take my career in film. Like, absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's like kind of where we learned like production design. A lot of it is just like the planning and the mm -hmm. blueprint and the breakdown of the script and all that. And then from there is like, all right, now it's time to shop and get everything, make sure everything looks good. The like color palettes and how to like bring the script to life in like a way that's like, it matches so like if the feel is like oh she's trapped in her life and it's like she has her snake maggie who's in a tank like how can we make the home feel the same way yeah exactly type of thing yeah. yeah and so i guess a little backstory on the film itself you know like the major themes of the film which you saw it um were our change like the ine inevitability of change and uh you know mourning and relationships and how those are things are always constantly changing and so there's like a snake motif throughout the film. And so it's constantly shedding its skin and, and eventually escapes the tank. And so like, you know, it's representative of the main character, Sonara. And so um, a lot of things were always, there's always like a play on something, like um, always sort of juxtaposing like the snake and the character, you know, using the colors red and green a lot. Um, and then each room was a very specific feel and they all represented different things. And so I worked really closely with the girls um, on these on these rooms and these um, the sets um, to make sure they felt like that's that was that feel space. the mood and yeah, so, yeah you know very definitely. unique to that scene. Yeah, so yeah, it's like very important. Just kind of like the subtleness where it's just out of house, but you're able to create this kind of very creepy atmosphere, right? Because 
mm-hmm. you know, there's some shots where there's a little bit of smoke or something that's coming out. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, where's, you know, where that come from? So it's great. Right. You know, yeah. it's a dream like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every every room I think is is very unique. And there's there's some shots I'd like in there, the look of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think towards the end, there's one where it was like a wider shot, and then there's like a mirror on the side mm-hmm. where it's like a reflection of the other other female character, and then there's like the, the window curtains are like kind of red, brown. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. red, red, orange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Actually, a very interesting kind of color. Kind of I'm look. glad you caught that though. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> oh. <laughs> on a first watch that people would catch the, the mirror reflection. Yeah, yeah, because I, I noticed that there's something different, like because because mm-hmm. her reaction wasn't she wasn't really laughing. Well, she was kind of smiling, but you know, look, yeah, yeah, a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was a lot of fun working on this project and yeah. So I think the art side of the film um, process is very important to me. So that's why we all work so well together because I do um, value it pretty highly in the hierarchy of filmmaking. <laughs> okay. And how, how long of a pre- pre-production was it? Um, I mean, I think, I think like a month, I feel like. Maybe yeah, so. I would say about a month of like serious pre-production. But like I said, I was developing it for like some time. Oh, so like, yeah. you know, excluding yeah, the writing yeah. process, probably like a month, maybe a month and a half to slowly get gathering like um, props and stuff from thrift stores and slowly sort of saving up for it and things like that. But, you know, on average, about a month and a half or so. And then, of course, you went through the process of casting and auditions and all that, too. That was so much yeah. fun. <laughs> I I do I love casting yeah um so yeah it was funny because I usually set up like a casting um like an audition um at a place called Space Station in LA and um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it's it you know we usually book the room for about three hours and just sort of see who comes in and so I'm casting for three main roles and I found one of my actors through Space Station and so that was after watching like dozens of people's auditions because um, it's a very specific character you know for these people and so it's, it's always hard to find the right person and so I found my male lead in that process and then um, with my two sisters it was a harder process because they had to look alike at least look you know similar enough alike and uh, they had to fit these uh, sort of different dynamics one is a little bit more adventurous and spontaneous and has more of an edge and the other one's the you know the, the lead who has a little she's a little bit more timid and um, but she has to have a pretty big range because, you know, she has a lot of emotions flowing through her. And so, you know, I found one of my actors through Instagram, surprisingly. Yeah. And I, I just messaged her and I was like, would you like to audition? And then the other one I actually posted through Instagram as well. But um, a friend at the time had auditioned for the lead role. And so she sent me a video audition and I said, you're hired. <laughs> and so, like, I, I really lucked out there. So Instagram has been yeah. a pretty good tool for for casting, yeah. mm-hmm. but it was really fun developing that the characters. You know, we have uh, these table reads. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, um, but we sort of just sit at a table and we go through the whole script, the first, you know, the the draft that I my, my final draft version, and we read it aloud and kind of see like what needs to be changed, and so I'll kind of rewrite based on that, and then we do you know uh, rehearsals at the house that we're going to be shooting at, and then we sort of do a little bit more of rewriting. And then that's sort of how we develop that. And of course, I'm working closely with, with each actor and trying to get them to sort of relate to the, 
the roles and to the scenes and sort of just like really get to know them. It's a very personal process. So I love it because I, I do love people and I love to explore their like, you know, their psyche and everything. And then my guess is that, you know, Alexa and Ashley, they have some input on this. Yeah, exactly. They're always there for the table reads and the rehearsals. And um, I think you guys also helped me with the auditions, right? What was that? Sorry. Didn't you guys watch the auditions with me too? Yes, Mm -hmm. I was going to say that's why it was so fun. I remember actually watching the tapes with April in her room and then just having it all come to life is just, it's awesome. It was an exciting time. It really was. (laughs) Yeah. So I I always ask their opinions on things and we're very, you know, um, collaborative like, what do you, I love asking them what they think about, like, like the set dress and the production design, like, love to give them creative freedom, give, give them enough to go off of, but give them enough creative freedom to sort of explore and do their thing. You know, I had a thought, because, you know, you're talking about the two, the two sister characters, and I was thinking, like, okay, well, you want mm-hmm. them to look, I was thinking, like, maybe, could have been more like you and Ashley play those characters, because you want pe- two people looking alike, right? I'm sure someone has asked <laughs> Are you suggesting that we should have played the, the girls? I mean, <laughs> maybe it's possible. I, I'm i pretty shy. I don't like to yeah. to be in films, personally. Oh, I don't, well, I'm not really a great actress. They're being modest. <laughs> but, but no, the, these girls, they, they starred in my films back in the day. So oh, okay. they've been in stuff before. They used to be like my main actors and we started branching out and stuff like that. But I think Alexa, I think Alexa is more of the actress type. Oh. Yeah, still a dream. Not me. One day, but <laughs> I just fell in love with production design, just being behind the scenes and really creating that whole world. So I'm really happy with where I'm at right now. But yes, acting is lots of fun. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And well, this this question is actually important because in this process, after making this short film, this is for each person what what kind of life lessons did you learn from doing this project there are so many I feel like just kind of to trust the process and just like trust that like you need to do your role and everyone's gonna do their role and it's all gonna come together so like just as a team I guess teamwork yeah yeah to piggyback off of that exactly the same um trust the process trust your partners and really have work with people that are like-minded if you can, because that just makes it so much like flow so much nicer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Pretty much the same. Like, I mean, piggybacking on that, you know, just yeah. rolling with the punches. Um, I know I sort of, I learned a lot through the process because uh, there was moments during the filmmaking process where um, we lost footage and things like that. And it was like, a big deal you know because I had like an editor on on site and um and then my assistant camera you know that's usually the person who transfers the footage and they sort of um hand off the footage copy the footage give the card back and then you know take it back to the director of photography and so it's like a whole process and um so we were filming late late at night for some reason I mean I love shooting at night but we wanted to shoot I wanted to shoot during the hollow hour which is 4 a.m uh-huh. <laughs> and um, so, you know, we were shooting pretty late nights, like till five, sometimes six in the morning. And so like one thing I learned was that you sh- maybe shouldn't <laughs> because oh. you're not as efficient. You're not as 
awake, you know, so mistakes happen the later it gets and when people become exhausted. And and mind you, like filmmaking days are usually 12 hours plus. So it's um, it's pretty heavy on people. And so, yeah, we lost footage one of the days and it was like a whole scene and I didn't know what to do. And so I sort of just told myself not to freak out and just figure out what's next. And we ended up just like reshooting the scene and it ended up better. And so um, we managed to make the day. We had to do another pickup day just to kind of uh, make, you know, make time. But um, yeah, what I learned was just not to freak out and just roll with the punches, think on your feet and just, you know, don't, don't worry about it because it ends up working out somehow. Yeah. I feel like that's something that always happens like on shoots is like things don't always go as planned. So Mm -hmm. don't panic and just like, know like this is going to happen and just do what you can pretty much. Yeah. Yes. Like always having like a plan B, plan C, like all the way down. Yeah. 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 Be quick to think on your feet. Yeah. Something always goes wrong. There's like, there's a rule. (laughs) right right no no absolutely yeah and the the thing that i learned is expect something to go wrong because it will and so that's it (laughs) okay okay and actually that's that's a good that's a good way to kind of segue into this is that you know of course being in the male-dominated industry it is tough Mm -hmm. to be female filmmakers or content creators and Mm -hmm. and so for you what i mean Besides the short film, what are some other obstacles that each one of you have had to overcome in in this case? Definitely not being taken seriously. Oh. Yeah. Um, I have, I'm just, I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to mention anybody. But we actually um, found these, it's Mexican duo. It's like a banda and like rap group type of thing. Mm -hmm. And really, I feel like it was a match made in heaven, creative wise, Uh, for aesthetic, you know, they wanted like Dia de los Muertos right up our alley. And we were like, oh my gosh, like we, we've never done anything like this. This is perfect right up our alley. And, you know, we were going back and forth with these guys and they actually flaked on a few, uh, like actually all the meetings that we planned. And I'm not, can I, can I? I don't want to cuss on here. No, but, no, you can cuss. You can cuss. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Not, I'm not saying that like everybody like wants to, you know, like fuck us, but yeah. really it's just, it was more of like, it was just respectful where he flaked on the meetings and he, Hey, so what's your number? Or it was just kind of like that, you know, where he would take mm-hmm. it. Just it's like reply to like all your selfies on Instagram, like yeah. trying to like hit on you. Yeah. So it's like, just like not being taken seriously and it, it sucks. Yeah, you got to have like that bitch energy to really, you know, get your point across. And it's, yeah, shouldn't have to be that way. Exactly. I I think some guys, yeah, they try to like frame it as like, oh, let's work together. And then like, they don't talk about work at all. They're just like trying to like flirt or like take you out or like, let's go get drinks instead of like, let's go get coffee and talk about work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, so, so it's a, it is a very typical Hollywood scene. Like. And especially in the music indus- industry too, I feel like it's really common, especially oh. with them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a lot of flaking and then I guess just not taking you seriously as like a fully female collective. Because I feel like if there's like a male present, it's 
like, okay, maybe they're serious. But if it's like an all-female group, they're like, oh, you know, I don't know about this. It's always like this sort of underlying misogyny, like skepticism that I feel like. But so like, I feel like over time, like I've dealt with a lot of that as well. And I've had to sort of develop, I know that there's a follow-up question and you mentioned like a mindset that you had to develop. And I feel the mindset is not exactly be a bitch, but to sort of just be stern and professional and sort of just like, I mean, you should always be professional, but um, maybe just don't be too nice because sometimes that gets taken the wrong way. And it's unfortunate because, you know, we're pretty nice people and we want to be nice, but for some reason it just, I don't know, it hasn't, it hasn't worked that well for me um, to be too nice. So I think there's got to be like a balance. Definitely got to be more assertive for sure. Yeah, I guess just to not be scared that you're going to be perceived as a bitch if you're just like very just like focused and like stern with everything. Like, yeah. Oh, well, if you want to think I'm a bitch, then do that. But and you know, there's, there's plenty of people that will want to work with us and we won't have problem this particular problem with them. So, you yeah. know, you just have to That's find the right I- people. And exactly. scare away the wrong people. So that's, and that's why we usually work with women. You know, it's just like, it's just, it happens organically. It's easier. And I mean, not, we have nothing against men, but it's just, that's how it is, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, no, I agree with you. I mean, I, I mean, just coming from my standpoint, I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, there's just not a lot of women in the industry. And um, mm-hmm. yeah. And, yeah. And it's just, it's a shame because, like, for me, like, you know, sometimes I, I will look for crew members for like a, a specific project. And what I realize is I, I don't know if it has something to do with, you know, maybe a lot of women, the confidence is much lower in, in this industry mm-hmm. because yeah, for I sure. Look, I look at some of the resume and there's a lot of women, they have a lot of experience. They've done a lot, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, like they'll apply for positions like a production assistant. And I'm thinking in my head, like, well, I can easily find production assistant anywhere. I mean, you can qualify for this then why not apply for that position like yeah something like higher up you know that's what that's what I was gonna say like another thing with like being like a woman in the industry is just like dealing with imposter syndrome which is pretty much what you just said just like thinking like oh like am I qualified for this job like I have all this experience but like I don't know and I think that's just it has to do with like how like boys and girls are raised differently like men are just much more confident in what they do and like applying for jobs that they may be unqualified for or they just are like hey I know I could do this and that's something that women need to be more like confident doing just like go for it like you probably are very qualified absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah most of them are yeah they, they you know a lot of them they also have camera experience too so if I'm looking for like a DP I mean, I've never worked with worked with a female DP, but then I'm just thinking like, well, why didn't you just apply for that? I mean, it's not like I'm not gonna look at yeah. it. You know? mm-hmm. um, yeah. So definitely so hard I, to come by. Yeah. So I think that I don't know that mindset is a little, a little interesting in in that in that way, which I was curious why that would be. Yeah, and it also has to do with the fact that maybe there aren't um, there isn't that much representation with like female directors or you know female heads of departments like female DPs. You know, whenever I book a gig it's very rare that I see female DPs or even like ACs and pretty much it's it's usually like one or two women or like they're usually in the art department or makeup department so it's like you don't see that representation so in your head you're sort of thinking like well maybe I can't do that so like that's kind of a big big deal like like it feels like it's gonna be a lot harder so it's a little like discouraging like maybe subconsciously yeah like when, when I was younger I think I was like 
13 or something like that. This, that was the first time that I realized that I could pursue filmmaking. And it was because of a, a movie called The Holiday. It's a Nancy Myers film. And, uh, you know, there, I don't know if you've seen it, but, you know, uh, who's in it? Uh, I've heard of it. Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz, Jack Black. Oh. And uh, Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet, thank you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and so um, Cameron Diaz plays this sort of like head of head of a trailer company, you know, and so she's like, she's a boss, and she's like, you know, calling all the shots, and she owns her own company, and she's working in the film industry, like as a very successful woman. And I was like, wow, that's cool. That's really cool, you know. And I didn't realize that there was a lot like that. This even existed for women, so I, I think that really matters. Right. Yeah, representation for sure. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of a double whammy too, because not only um, you're all female filmmakers or content creators, but also people of color. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As into the difficulty, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yes, it is. But I guess the mindset I've also had to develop is almost ignoring that. Like being aware of it, but not letting yourself stand in the way. Because if that's already sort of a, a roadblock, then you being more aware of it is only going to make it worse, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, I yes, think just agreed. being aware of it in a way that you're just very authentic about it. And then just naturally like finding other people that are the same and working together and like kind of creating our own like community of like working with more Latinas or people of color. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of like trying to like break through like all these other white spaces, it's like, all right, let's do our own shit. I love that. April, what's that, um, that saying where it's like together, like if you want to make it Fast. it's like an old african adage or whatever if you want to if you want to go far no if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go with others or something like that together yeah that's yeah. cute that's where we're at yeah it's, it's been very difficult i mean it's difficult to break into this industry period um being a woman i'm sure and being a person of color that all just makes it worse and it's funny because i i I asked my high school teacher when I was like really naive, obviously. And I asked him like, just be real with me. Like, is it harder for women in the industry? Like, cause I didn't really know anything about it. And he told me, yeah, if, if I'm being honest, yes, it is. It's, it is way harder, but if you make it, you'll know that you worked 10 times as hard as everybody else. And so that always stuck with me. And so I was like, okay, cool. doesn't mean it's impossible. So, you know, you always just have to keep pushing forward and, you know, not taking no for an answer and, just do your own thing. If no one wants to hire you, just make your own thing possible. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I like that. I like that approach. And, you know, it is hard filmmaking. I think, you know, male or female actually is really hard to break in, 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 in general. Okay. And so my question is like, I'm, I'm guessing that there was probably a lot of points that you thought about any one of you probably thought about giving up, right. And, and doing something else. No, I'm just not. Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, of course. Uh, I feel like that thought always crosses our minds like every, every now and then. Like, okay, for me especially, like 2019 was a pretty horrible year for me. Just in terms of just like being at the lowest and like it was very difficult finding jobs as like a 
freelancer and, you know, trying to find gigs for our company. And it was just very discouraging. And so it was very hard. And I realized just how little money there was when you're starting out. And so I definitely thought about it, but I never really took any steps to do it. Yeah. And same here. I think it's just more of like the, the family pressures, you know, of having someone trying to break through in the industry. Um, you know, obviously your parents want nothing but like stability for you. So I think just, I went through the same thing as April. I think I'm kind of still kind of going through it right now. Um, but I, that does cross my mind, you know, I'm like, Oh, maybe I should just get like a stable job, you know, but I always have these girls to remind me like, no, like, that's not what you want. Like keep going after what you want. So it's, it's not, that's why it's like another positive, you know, to work with your cousins, with your family. So, yeah. And I think that's kind of the good thing about having Nightshade Collective is like, okay, like even if it's a little harder to like book these outside gigs, like we're going to continue doing our thing. So like, we're always just perfecting our craft and getting our names out there and just like staying focused. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Like the, uh, you know, you got to persist. And the thing is that because if you're good at what you do, this feels like kind of pointless to try to work some regular job. Um, yeah, uh, definitely. I don't want cool. to. Yeah. <laughs> kind of wasting <laughs> time a little bit, right? In a way. Definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's just not going to be fulfilling at the end of the day. <laughs> like you're just going to hate your life. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather struggle trying to like do some shit I love than like yeah, 100%. have a stable job and I like fucking hate it every day absolutely counting down the hours and all that stuff yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Like, we, we worked in the service like it, as waitresses for, for a long time years yeah oh, too long. So, long, no, time. long time. in the beginning stages we were doing that while you know trying to work on our on this career and so finally like you know I broke away and sort of broke into like tv a little bit and it's like that helped me like never look back and so since then I you know, knock on wood, haven't had to go back to like a, something outside of the industry, but it took many years to get there. So like, I understand, you know, like starting out, it definitely gets discouraging to, if you, if you aren't seeing anything successful happening. And you have to do like what you have to do to like make ends meet at the end of the day. So like, if that's what you have to do. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's so but, easy to pull know. money from anywhere, you know, yeah. you really need yeah. to. Yeah, like, I mean, I've had to donate plasma to make ends meet. We all did, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, my iron yeah. levels were too low, so I couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying. I was yeah. doing that, yeah, for like, like a few months, <laughs> and it was just to make extra income. I'm not sure how familiar. It's like donating blood, but it's plasma. They put it back into your, you know, your is system. It a, is it good pay? <laughs> Is it what? Is it good pay? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it can be. It's, I think yeah, if you dedicate like, like a few hours, I think it's like one hour pretty much um, for every session and you go twice a week, uh-huh. you can get up to like $300, $400. Oh, wow. That's some bills right there. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that's pretty And good. they have specials, you know, like different, you know, for different months, like usually during the holidays, you get a little bit of a bonus. $300, $400 a month or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's like worth- bills right there. Yeah. There's a little extra exactly. side money. Yeah. So it's, you know, we've, we've done a lot of things. You know, we've had to contemplate so many things in our life, but we always just find a way. 
Well, here's here's a question because it's funny. You said 2019 was tough, but then we all know what happened in 2020. So yeah. how did you, how did everyone adjust to that? Because, you know, work is probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not consistent. Right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, you guys want to go first? Ashley? <laughs> I uh, I don't even know. 2020 was just like crazy. And like, okay, so 2019, we were all living together in mm. Fullerton. So that was like our first time moving out. It was us three and another friend and like her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we were just like struggling, you know, to like make rent, but we were also working a lot 2019, like put out a lot of like cool projects, photo shoots. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, best of both worlds. Um, but we were like, okay, we should move back home, save money. Mm-hmm. Luckily we did that because that's when freaking COVID stroke. Mm. And like yeah like there was no work so it was kind of a blessing that we ended up moving back home and yeah. just like we're blessed to be able to be living at home right now yeah. so I think that just helped and I'm just like grateful for that and like just working really hard so it just like put on my head like this is the time to just like really just try as hard as you can yeah same here yeah Yeah, and like for me like beginning of 2020 um I was actually working constantly like more than I've ever worked in my life from January to March you know so I was like yeah things are going well and I started getting booked I was on the show and it was a crazy experience like it took up all my time like I was working like with the commute it was like 16 hour days and I was exhausted I didn't have time for I didn't have time for nightshade I didn't have time for my you know my now company wild seven and um so i didn't have time for like my personal projects a lot of things that were unfinished and so that was it was getting to the point where it was like bothering me and so when covid hit it was like sort of a blessing in disguise also and everything shut down and it sort of just helped us focus on finishing projects and just sort of powering through so that was honestly really helpful and 2020 was a pretty okay year for us other than yeah definitely an okay year yeah yeah obviously other than the the pandemic and all getting covid (laughs) but i'll tell you 2019 was worse for me (laughs) oh okay even worse huh (laughs) okay that's that's cool okay okay now we're i'm just gonna shift i'm gonna shift a little bit with the um uh, some of the stuff i talk about so there there was a couple images on the website and also Facebook page. I think I mentioned this too on the email. Um, it was like, well, one is a woman and then also the guy holding like the bloody heart and then you got yeah. the scar in the chest. So what's mm-hmm. that about? What, you know? <laughs> that was 2019 actually, when we were doing, like we started doing photo shoots out of like our garage. Oh. <laughs> and um, it was a Valentine's shoot. And that kind of just started the tradition of doing a shoot every year on Valentine's day. Hmm. But um I kind of just wanted to or I guess I really like Valentine's Day like the whole aesthetics like the colors like the hearts love all that and then we obviously do obviously horror a lot work with blood a lot yeah. so I think just like bringing out that like love can be painful and like it can be interpreted as like oh, you broke my heart. So it just feels like someone rips your heart out of your chest or like loving someone so much that you're just like, here's my heart. And On just, a platter, yeah. Yeah, like, I fucking love you. Yes, we're a bit so, dramatic. 
Yeah, definitely. We are <laughs> <a little> dramatic <laughs> and very romantic. Yes. So we are. I would add always that. showcasing that. Yeah. yeah. So would, would, you say, would you say you're a hopeless romantic in a way? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Are you into yeah. astrology at all? Um, no, but I I start to read a little bit about it, but okay so what, what, what about what about astrology um well okay so you have like different planets that are ruled by different like zodiac signs or whatever and my venus is in leo and venus is like the planet of love mm. so i think that explains why i'm a hopeless romantic leo just being the very dramatic mm-hmm. like sign and just like yeah yes. so, yeah like give me all the love there's a whole <laughs> lot of a lot to astrology, so we'd have to kind of break everything down. Yeah. Yeah. Or another podcast. It's fun. But yeah. Because whenever I read stuff of astrology, I always, it always sounds like the stuff they say is like so general. Like I'm, you know, I'm not sure how accurate yeah. maybe. But. Well, you're probably thinking of horoscopes. Oh, okay. I, I feel like that's kind of what most people know about astrology. And that oh, I completely agree because it a lot of that is bullshit and it is generic, but it's supposed to be kind of like a, almost like a gateway drug into astrology. Um, but astrology is completely different. You know, there's, and there's also natal charts, which is like very accurate to you. And it depends on where you live, you know, what day you're born, what month, um, what, what year. Yeah. And I think, um, what was the name of that, uh, psychologist? I think Carl, Carl Jung or Carl Jung. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he he actually used astrology where to get to know his patients in that way. Mm. So he found that rather than really like he would talk, obviously he would do his thing, but he found that reading their natal charts actually gave them more insight into who they were as a person and it matched up, you know, so mm. there's more than just like, oh, I'm a Leo, you know, there's like you have yeah it's just you you have more than just your sun sign exactly raising sign and your moon sign and then you go even deeper like you know what rules your venus what rules your mercury that's your planet of communication so and it's just it's more of just like a tool for introspection and just trying to like better yourself and understand yourself i think and i think the reason that uh, mostly women have been into astrology like especially here in the western culture is because I think, uh, well, obviously it seems, it seems pretty brand new, but it's also that you have to be introspective. And so you have to be willing to want to learn about yourself and point a mirror up to your face and say like, this is who I am. And I'm willing to see into it it and learn about it and change. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, whether you believe it or not, I think it's a very, very great, you know, powerful tool into learning about other people and yourself. Yes. (laughs) It sounds like everyone here has study astrology for some time right like it's not just recently a little yeah I feel like we've all we've we've talked about it just like kind of horoscope level back yeah. in the day and then gradually started working our yeah. way up I think what like yeah. last year maybe right yeah, yeah. I think like the last like few years <laughs> yeah like we definitely right. know more than the average yeah. person but like it's we're barely tapping in. Like once you really learn how much there is to it, it's like we're at the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. You're a student for life with astrology. There's yeah. always something. Okay. But we love it. You know, we did a whole photo shoot based on the astrology. Oh, yeah. that's so. very nice. Okay. So Ashley had told me her, you know, her sign and everything. What, what about, what about Alexa? What about you, April? Like what have you learned about yourselves? Oh, about our signs? Well, okay. Like I'm an Aries. So 
Um, that's just my sun sign. So I'll just start there. So the Aries is the first sign of the Zodiac. So they call it the baby of the Zodiac. And so like for me, I think the year should start when Aries season starts, which is, it just started back March, March 20th, I believe. So whenever spring started, that's when Aries season starts. So it marks the beginning of spring. It's the first sign and the uh, animal that's associated with it is a ram. And then the God that it's associating, associated with it is, um, Aries or Mars, if you're talking about the Roman gods, because they use Greek and Roman gods, and they usually cross over. They're pretty much the same. But yeah, so it's Aries, and he's god of war. And so, and the color of it is red, because, you know, Mars is also red. So if you put all those things together, that's kind of what Aries is. You're this sort of, um, they're known to be leaders, they're known to be very headstrong, um, irrational, sort of irrational, impulsive childlike because pioneers you know you're sort of like the warrior of the zodiac and you're always sort of just like taking the lead with your horns and just sort of pushing through and not thinking about it just doing it so you're definitely a doer not a thinker and um yeah so that's kind of who i am i do um relate to it a lot okay okay and my son's a leo um the lion and their ruler is the sun so you know they I don't even know how like I would describe a Leo I don't want to be like "Mm." (laughs) but um they're they're very stubborn they're known to be very egotistical sometimes Mm. prideful I mean you think the lion you know so um very protective and low-key a softy but nurturing uh, yes and what else am I missing yeah Yeah, that's I mean yeah yeah I mean, think of like a sun too, you know, sun and, and the lion, always a center of attention, um, very loving, big hearts, nurturing, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Some like it. Yeah. I'm actually a Virgo, by the way. The, okay. It was just my Venus that is ruled by Leo. I have a lot of Leo placements in my chart. So Virgo is the goddess. Yes. So just kind of not really, it's, it's like the virgin, Yeah. I guess. Yeah. So it's just more like like newness more than like an actual virgin you know but um very analytical and just like quiet and observant more than anything and just it's uh ruled by mercury which is the planet of like communication yes yeah so it makes yeah. sense to me yeah this is all very highly fascinating because i have no no clue on any of this stuff <laughs> oh, i didn't you know, know your sun sign what's that oh uh, asking birthday. oh yeah Sorry. Oh my! You mean my my birthday? Yeah, it's uh, April fourteenth. Oh, oh, you're an Aries. You're like an Aries. Yes, Aries. Like April. My birthday is April twelfth. <laughs> oh, okay, so two days. Okay, so yeah. it's all within that range, right? Basically, okay. It's like March twentieth to April twenty first, or something like that. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah. I can kind of see why you're talking about like being a a doer. You know, just mm-hmm. because it's almost like you you know you just always want to be creative. You always want to be doing mm-hmm. something yeah so i think that that sounds that sounds pretty accurate in a, in yeah a you should look more into it and get into it uh, <laughs> <laughs> well i mean maybe but is there any relation with like this like let's say the you know the whole tarot cards reading is that even is that related to astrology or something different no i think it relates more to spiritualism they don't oh. really um relate per se but it's all in the same world i think people that are fascinated with astrology are fascinated okay. with tarot readings but 
or Lexi, maybe, I know she sort of, yeah. she has her own deck and we, we definitely. Yeah. I'm not like, I'm not like a tarot reader. <laughs> I literally do this just for my friends. I, I really do love connecting with people. I feel like that's why I don't know. I'm here. I swear. I really love connecting with people and that's like a, a perfect way to do it. It kind of, it's therapeutic and it gets people talking. So yeah. really like whatever card you pull, I feel like anyone can really relate to it, you know? But they always seem so spot on. They always they do, but they really do. And it gets, it gets people talking, you know, mm-hmm. things that you're suppressing. It'll. Yeah. But people, you know, if you're religious, maybe you think of tarot cards and you think it's like black magic and it's forbidden. Like, I know I grew up Catholic and we all did. So mm-hmm. when I heard of tarot cards for the first time, I always just thought it was like scary and evil. You know, brujeria yeah. and all this stuff, and you're gonna go to you're gonna go to hell if you do it. Like I always thought that, but you know, so a lot of people kind of still have that mindset. But it's definitely not a scary thing. It's uh-uh. it's they're just playing cards. I mean, they really don't mean anything. Like I mean, I think they're they're just meant for playing cards back in the day, and they just have really cute drawings on them. There's like the Joker card. There's like um, pentacles. Like, you know, three of cups, and like they're like all. There's a death card, but it doesn't mean you're going to die or anything like that. So definitely, um, it's always, I think, misinterpreted. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, they're fun. It's like therapy, like Alexis said. Right, right, right. And it's very often that they always portray it to be dangerous in movies because, you know, they always show that. The fortune teller, like, oh my God, play your future. Yeah, it's It's not that at all. It's not that at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think just the more spiritual you are, some people... um, feel like their ancestors or the spirit guides are trying to communicate with them through the cards too. Mm-hmm. So it, it could be a lot deeper and equal to, to other people that are like very into it, but it, yeah. it has the power that you give it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you can also cleanse your deck and just make sure that the space that you're doing it in is clear of any kind of negative energy. So if you believe in energy and stuff like that, like just, I mean, energy is real, obviously, but just, you know, cleansing that space and just allowing yourself to have a good reading, then it, I don't see anything wrong with it. Right. And, you know, it's actually interesting too, because I read a little bit on the bio that I can see why this would be the case is that a lot of your work is kind of inspired by Mexican folklore. So mm-hmm. I can kind of see sort of like the connection and, yeah. Um, so, so the question was like, what, what is like your favorite one, uh, mm-hmm. favorite Mexican folklore, like each person, like, and why? Okay. I think we kind of started talking about this last night. And um, I mean, we did a photo shoot about La Llorona. I don't know if you saw that one or if you've heard about La Llorona before. Yeah, they, they had a couple of movies about that, but I don't know. Yeah, how never that great. I didn't see it yeah it it came out like I think like a year after or a few years after I don't know we did the shoot but it's like that tale where a woman kills her kids because her husband I think asked her to and then she just is wants to kill herself after like she's just like where are my kids like I freaking killed them what the hell she's just haunting everybody that goes by that area and just like her spirit just roaming forever searching for her children yeah creepy and just dark that's probably like the most popular one but I think last night we started talking about how just with our family stories that have been passed down like a lot of them have to do with like the supernatural and how we just Mm -hmm. grew up very accustomed to that with like family members like 
seeing ghosts or spirits or talking to ghosts and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's because, you know, in the Mexican culture, uh, they view death very differently than we do here in like the United States. And it's not so much a scary thing. It's more of an accepting thing of like, you know, we accept that death comes no matter what. And so let's celebrate it. Let's celebrate the life. And so when you see like Dia de los Muertos, they celebrate people's lives and they give them gifts and they have parades and they give them food. And instead of here going to like a funeral where you're dressed in all black and you're crying the whole time and it's like, it's a completely different vibe. And- well, because I think here, like, Halloween is more about, like, oh, spooky. Like, all the evil spirits are going to be roaming yeah. around. And then, like, children. <laughs> Dia de los Muertos is more about, like, oh, like, our family, everyone that has died. Like, let's remember them. Celebrate and it's them. just colorful and beautiful. So it's just a contrast. Com- it's completely different than, like, how it's here. So. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, like she said, um, a lot of our family members have had experiences with, like, ghosts in their homes and like they swear by it and they've they've you know like my aunt uh, in Mexico um, told us a story about how um, she always felt this presence like just growing up like and she always kind of knew it was a child for some reason and you know doors would always open without her turning the lock like turning the, the doorknob you know like things would just turn on she'd always see like the swing set going and just like little occurrences and it's also just a feeling and then so one day she was sort of just like trying to figure out like why the spirit was bothering her and not bothering because it wasn't negative, but she was just wondering like, what are you trying to tell me? Like, are you trying to, you know, uh, send a message? And so she sort of, she found like a little token, like a little toy car and she put it on, um, what are those called? A, f- a f- altar. Oh, ofrenda. Ofrendas. Yeah. It's like a little altar where you sort of, um, I guess like just remember past Family and like your loved ones that pass their pictures on there with like yeah. your favorite like yeah snacks like you offerings and stuff like that yeah. too oh. but yeah Coco yeah Coco. <laughs> April Coco. So she did that and she named him like she gave him like a random name like Billy or Bob or something like that and, and um ever wow. and ever since oh yeah whatever <laughs> I know it's like well, Billy's not a Mexican name um yeah so it was like Juanito or something like that and ever since then. She didn't hear anything from this spirit. And so, you know, we always hear stories like this. And it's always these, like, ghost tales. I have one. Oh, let's hear it. (laughs) (laughs) So my parents, when I was, I was a baby. So my parents were at my grandma's house. And they were just watching TV. And they heard the the back door. Like, they heard the key and, like, the doorknob turn and everything. They heard the door, like, the door shut and footsteps like heavy male footsteps and my mom just come like they looked at each other they both heard it and she just ran outside with me and so my dad just kind of went to go check it out but the door was closed no one was there and when my grandma later came that day he asked her you know like what they heard and my grandma just nonchalant just oh that was your dad that was your dad he comes to visit you know every now and then but yeah, my dad's, uh, my grandpa passed away when my dad was like 15, really young. So he was just like, what? Just like freaked out. He's like, why are you taking this so well? Like, like he just comes to visit, Wow. you know? Yeah. And it's crazy. Cause it's just like an acceptance. It's like, it's not yeah. a fear. It's an acceptance. And yeah. yeah, I don't know what it is, but we grew up with that sort of mentality. And so I feel like it definitely comes out in our work. 
like through the films that I write, through our art projects or, you know, photography, we, we just love it. And it's nothing to be afraid of. It's more of just like a beautiful thing. And mm-hmm. really though, some people call us witches. But it's like, it's not like that, you know, it's just like, we kind of just like accept it and we're just like, you know what? Yeah, we are, you know, like words are powerful and we're going to just manifesting and so yeah, we're witches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like in real life. It's not like in real life. You, you three are like some, you know, doing some devil world. Shit. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or are we? No, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. No. Just kidding. No, we no. actually have a aunt in Mexico, who, she was kind of like the outcast, and people thought mm. she was a witch. So they kind of just like were like, okay, what the hell's going on with her? And she just ended up like living alone, like her whole life. Oh, yeah, because wow. people were just so scared of it. Yeah. But now I'm just like, I want to go talk to her. Like, she's probably really cool. <laughs> like, that's a lot of wisdom. She lived next door to our grandma's house where we used to stay in Mexico. And as kids, we weren't afraid of her, you know. So it was like my sister and our other cousin and myself, we'd go next door. And I remember seeing, like, all these little trinkets all around her house, like little jars and, like, little musical um like instruments and it was definitely like a witchy house and but i mean i never got any weird vibes from her but yeah so we we just we were always exposed to it at a young age okay but i think we're just more spiritual than anything yeah okay and then from dad obviously a lot of exposure to like horror films is my guess yeah for sure yeah my dad was a big horror fanatic who who got you into it alexa my dad, actually, my mom was always like, no, they're not supposed to watch this. They're too young. Yeah, yeah. My dad would just kind of be like, come on, like, I'm going to watch, mm-hmm. watch, you know, like Chucky or something. Yeah, just, that was like the first one I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So just grew up around it. Yeah. Yeah. My first one was Scream with the cousins, all like the older guy yes. cousins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, come on, we're going to go watch Scream. I was like, hey, yes. Yeah. <laughs> my mom would never let me. So I was yeah. stoked. <laughs> and I loved it. Still Scream one of my favorites to this day. Scream wasn't, it's not really a horror per se. I mean, it's, it's like a- the beginning of just like that slasher and more of like a, like a joke on itself type of thing. Just the like very tropey, yeah. but I love it so much. Yeah. It's so good. Parts yeah. of it can be scary, but definitely more of a satire. Yeah. I was actually really scared of him though. Just like the thought of like a person like being in your house, like when you don't know they're there and they just like run up on you and just stab you. Yeah. that's scary mm-hmm. like uh-uh I don't like that yeah it can happen in real life yeah it, that's the thing about it like it's like it's very real like it could happen yeah I mean it's just rare to for women to love horror films as most women they don't you know they're scared really? right I feel like actually growing up all our guy cousins were like so scared of watching scary movies and they would easily scare and like we were always like the only ones that were like come on (laughs) that's so true (laughs) yeah yeah I mean I think it's I'm sure it has a lot to do with the way that women were portrayed especially like in 90s and 2000s horror I mean I guess anything pre like 2010 (laughs) with like the whole final girl sort of trope and you know, there's a lot of hidden misogyny in horror films too. So like a lot of women probably didn't like that, but there's, I think there's a, there's a revolution with horror films happening and like there's so many new uh, female film um, horror directors. And so like, those are always really cool to see because they're different. They're very different. They're so different. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there are definitely more and more in that in that kind of female horror filmmaker because there there there's one one horror film that I like. Um, director, female director, her name's Jennifer Kent. Um, oh yeah, the Babadook. Yeah, Babadook. Yeah. I love the Babadook. I love yeah. So well made. Yeah, I think that was the good one. Out with another film. Sometime last year, I think I forgot to look into it. Oh yeah, yeah. She she had yeah she had that new film, but the new film is is not like horror film. It's different. Um, okay. You, I don't know if you'll like it or mm. or females will like it because it was really hard to watch because in, in the beginning, not to spoil it, but in the beginning scenes, there was like a really, really rough like rape scene. Mm. Like the main female character being raped. It was yeah. so- it was uncomfortable. Yeah, it was very uncomfortable. Even for me, it was like kind of really, really graphic. Like, it, yeah, you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't like it. I, I mean, you could still check it out if you want, but you wouldn't yeah. like it. But it's interesting that it's, you know, it's coming from her. So I'd be interested to see what it was and what the message was. Uh, yeah. I, I just I thought she kind of overdid it because I mean in one scene she was she was raped like three times I'm like how's that even possible I mean <laughs> oh my god something like that I'm just like this is kind of unnecessary at least in my point yeah. of view yeah I mean I guess that's just like shit that really happens and just like making people uncomfortable viewing it and seeing like yeah like this actually happens so I was actually just like reading about this like old like crazy murder that happened I don't remember what part of Asia it was in it's like a really popular I was like on like serial killer TikTok just like somebody was talking about it (laughs) and it's like a really popular one it's really graphic it's like like, so fucked up about like this girl that kind of got kidnapped by these guys and they had her locked up for like a year and they just like took turns like raping her and like beating the shit out of her like whipping her like burning her like tortured her for like a whole year yeah like it's really fucked up so i don't know it happens yeah yeah wait so did she die yeah after being tortured for a year Oh, oh Jesus Christ. I don't think anyone would want to live after that. Like much trauma. Too much. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, definitely it happens. I'm sure there's a reason she made it. So we'll see. We'll see what, what it's all about. But I did love the Baba Duke and I, I love the whole, you know, metaphor and it's just really well made. And it's one of the films that it's one of the scariest films I've seen in this decade. So it's like so sad at the same time too. Yeah. Just like realizing like damn like she just is like super depressed and this is just like her depression haunting the show she misses her husband just making her this ugly human being Mm -hmm. so sad yeah okay and then and then all all of you kind of take elements from all these different horror films you know into the film and apply it into what whatever work you're doing basically i think it's always an inspiration yeah yeah um yeah like i love um like not just i feel like when i when we talk about horror I'm not just talking about like, you know, slasher films or paranormal films. Like it sort of branches out into like the sort of paranormal, not paranormal, like the surreal space and the thriller space and this, you know, uh, sci-fi space and horror fantasy spaces. Like, like I know Guillermo del Toro, he's, I mean, he obviously he's a lover of the Gothic arts. And so like his films are very um, horror like, but they're very fantasy like and very Gothic. You know, he's like gothic romances and just like paranormal gothic. And so like, I love that because, you know, it's very genre bending. 
And then, you know, like David Lynch is one of my favorites too. And like, you know, so he, I wouldn't say it's very horror. It's more surreal thriller kind of genre. People like him, um, Darren Aronofsky, I would not consider him a horror director, but I love, I think they're horrifying, like the films he makes sometimes, like Requiem and uh, Black Swan, you know, Pie, like they're all, they're scary in some ways, and um, but very kind of just raw and beautiful and dark at the same time. So like, I don't know, it kind of crosses over a lot of genres. And so I'm very inspired by those filmmakers and like Claire Denis, um, I don't know if you've heard of her, she's a French director. Um, her newest film, I believe, I don't know if she's made anything after this, but High Life. It's like a sci-fi film where she's in space with Robert Pattinson. And it's one of my new favorite films. It's so good. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And it's it's very similar to like, I feel like it's very inspired by like 2001 A Space Odyssey. So like Kubrick is another one that, you know, obviously is a big inspiration. And also not per se like a, I mean, he does horror and he does it well, like The Shining. But he crosses over so many genres, you know, so. Even 2001 is just, like, so scary, though. Like, Hal? Yeah. What the hell? He's so know. Yeah. But most people wouldn't consider that horror. You know, it has elements yeah. of horror, but not a horror film. So, like, mm-hmm. I feel like when we talk about horror, I'm talking about all those, all those genres in between. So, all yeah. of those are huge, huge inspiration. It doesn't need to be boxed in, I think. Like, anything yeah. honestly can be horror. Yeah. 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 Your perception of horror. I mean, a lot of horror is kind of like a mix of psychological, right? Um, right. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like that. I mean, you know, I think um, there's one film, I don't know if you, you've seen it, actually, it's most recent films called Midsummer. It's actually... Oh, one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, the reason why I thought that movie was scary even seen it is because it's about cults, which is mm-hmm. real. I mean, there scary. are cults. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> cults are so fascinating. They are. They like, are. I just want to, like, know, like, what mindset, like, someone would have to be in to yeah. fall for that. Like, it's so wild to me. Because, like, it's not like you have to be stupid. It's yeah. just, like, yeah. you have to be at this, like, point where you just, like, have this emptiness or something. But it's so or, like, fascinating. Just, but putting your faith into somebody, you yeah. know, it's just really, you can just be, like, someone that's, um, I don't even know, just... I feel like just usually religious people that mm-hmm. are the yeah. ones often to fall into cults, you know? Yeah, it was, was like interesting. That. it's interesting because all, all, I mean, all the girls that were like, you know, in, in the, you know, the whole uh, Charles Manson murders, I mean, they're all young though. They're all like 15, yeah. 16 year old girls. So then moldable. Yeah. yeah. The guy just kind of takes advantage of it, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's yes. Crazy. But Midsummer was cool because I feel like it wasn't just about the cults but it was about like the perception of of a thing based on like what culture and religion you're from so it's like anthropological in a way like you know the people that were part of that group viewed death a different way so kind of going back to kind of how like you know the mexican culture views death versus other cultures or eastern western i'm sure there's differences in the way that you know people view death in that way so it's sort of i feel like it's commentary on that as well and so to, to some people, it's terrifying to these travelers, but to the people that are doing this, that's how they've always done it. And that's the way that they live their lives, you know? So it's, it's so cool. like pretty about the movie was like, it was like so aesthetically pleasing. Like you would yeah. like just watching it with the sound off, you wouldn't like really think like that's where it's going to go. Right. 
it's just so so dope but then it's and actually really dark yeah <laughs> it was freaking beautiful yeah Wait, what was the production design oh my god I know right? yes mm-hmm. yes that they built and like all the art like you know in almost every scene there's like there's stories that are being told like from from the very beginning there's like art on the walls and picture frames yeah that's yeah, the that one they say you need to watch it like a few times like and you'll still keep catching a bunch of little foreshadowings and yeah. things like that it's really yeah. cool you need, need to watch that again right Same. yeah yeah i know it's, it's, it's a good one um okay cool so i, I do have a two-part question you know i guess the first one would be you know moving forward with this nightshade i, I mean is your goal or your plan to continue to tell stories, you know, like represent kind of your own, I guess your own color or whatever it is and tell those stories or, or just really just any kind of horror stories? I feel like we always like to stay true to like ourselves and always, you know, it always sort of comes into our work no matter how hard we try to separate ourselves from it. So, you know, it's inevitable, but um, yeah, I think storytelling, um, in our perspective is always our biggest goal. And so we, we're, we're storytellers and we do it through art and we do it through, you know, our filmmaking and all that stuff. Um, but I think our main focus right now, we're trying to sort of um, brand ourselves into more of a photography and creative direction um, sort of brand. And because um, I know I mentioned my company, Wild 7 Studios. And so I've sort of like separated my filmmaking from my photography and our work and so to, cause I think it just works better that way when, because before we would try to tell people what we were and what we do and they'd be like, so what do you do? <laughs> and it was a little confusing. So, um, but you know, at the same time, like the girls are always working on the wild seven project. So we just have this pretty big family and we always work together and we like an umbrella, big yeah. network, you know, people. And so, but we do keep our films. We're trying to keep that separate now and sort of just brand ourselves in this way. But just definitely trying to stay authentic to ourselves, like, and no matter who we work with, like, we try to work with people whose, like, views kind of align with ours and, like, where aesthetically we're into the same thing. That way we don't have really creative differences. But, like, I love other people's stories and helping them execute their vision. So it all, it all works out. Yeah. Yeah. But we do have a very specific kind of look, and so we're definitely not for everybody. And so I know we we probably scared some people away because they probably just this isn't their thing. But I'm telling you, they think we're like <laughs> witches. crazy witches, you know, demonic. <laughs> but if you meet us, we're not at all like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, and then final question to kind of wrap it all up is. Uh, for each one of you, um, what advice would you give for aspiring female content creators, female filmmakers? I'd say just to keep going, be consistent, and keep your blinders on. Don't don't compare yourself mm. to anybody else because that is just what do you say, Ash? It's like the thief of oh the the thief. Comparison, comparison is a thief of oh, joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it it's is. So true. And, that'll just set you back. So just keep going, be consistent. Just like be true to yourself. And like, if, if you come from a place of just being authentic, like that's going to show and people are going to relate with that. So like, no matter like how like niche, like your creative direction is like, people are going to fuck with it if it's real and it's coming from you. 
So just keep doing what you're doing. The time will pass and just like, make sure like you're, you have a way to like, you're putting out work. So you see that measurable growth. That's how that'll keep you going. Yes. Yes. I would say pretty much the same thing. And just like, don't give up, you know, keep going. Cause you know, if you're trying to cut corners and um, find a cheap way, a fast way in, it's never going to happen. Like it takes time and you have to really cultivate your, your, your brand and your, and just hone your skills. And there is no cheating. Like, you know, you can't just jump over people. Like you, you have to really know your shit. And so that, that comes with time and experience and also just always work on your craft and don't ever wait for somebody to hire you or, you know, you can't just be sitting around waiting for something to happen always just work on your own thing and don't take no for an answer because if you have a camera you can do whatever you want to do you can make a movie yes you you can show an iphone now yeah for sure we still use iphones and oh yeah yeah there's really no good (laughs) if you have have a creative eye then you have it and people will see that and there are no excuses at all yeah, no matter like your resources, like especially doing like indie stuff, like the budget is so small sometimes. Mm-hmm. So like learning to work with small budgets, like you will thrive once you exactly have I think bigger everyone budgets. Should start, yeah, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Everyone should start off in indie films so they know what it's like for sure and how to work with a small budget because you can really stretch, stretch dollar. that dollar. Mm-hmm. And you, it, it forces you to be creative. Exactly. And I guess one last thing too is a a quote from my friend. Uh, I heard it a while ago and it always stuck with me, but it's fortune favors the bold. And, you know, so whenever you're thinking like, I'm not getting what I need, like ask yourself, are you being bold enough? Are you taking risks? Because I mean, it's, if you're expecting an easy route, this is definitely not the industry. So you definitely have to take some big risks and be bold with your choices and but things yeah. definitely go in your favor if you choose to be bold. So I definitely believe that 100%. Yeah, the universe will take care of you if you're coming from a place of like being a good person. Yes, I genuine. Think. For sure. Yeah. Very good. Very cool. Very, a lot of great advices. And yeah. for anyone out there, please, we need more female filmmakers. Yeah. So keep going, keep doing it. And this is a good spot to wrap it up. Um, just want to thank you to my guests. It's been a lovely conversation. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so thank much. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yes, this was fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I do look forward to, you know, future projects, future work. So I'll, I'll continue to tune in. Uh, members Nightshade Collective. So Instagram, everything. They're, they're on everything. So yes. <laughs> cool. Yay. Great. Thank you very much. And I'll see you all again next time. Yes. Bye. Thank you.